Good Wednesday morning, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. Live in downtown Charlottesville, Virginia, on a show that's broadcasted across every social media platform alive today. Today's program is presented by Ross Mortgage and our friend Scott Morris. We have a dynamic platform where you, the viewer and listener, can offer thoughts and perspective to the panel. Judah Wickhauer, the director, let's go to the four shot and weave the studio camera into the mix, and let's welcome Keith Smith, Scott Morris, and today's guest, Tim Pascarella, the president of Ross Mortgage. Good morning, guys. Good morning, thanks for having me. Good morning. Morning, gentlemen. It is uh, an excellent day to be above the mud and talk to you guys. So, Scott, I'm gonna let you introduce your guest, and then we'll kick it off from there. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, Tim, uh, President Ross Mortgage, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you found your way into wonderful Charlottesville this morning. I did find my way into wonderful Charlottesville. So, uh, my name's Tim Pascarella. Uh, I've been with a company out of Southeast Michigan uh, called Ross Mortgage Corporation for 20 years. I'm a unicorn in the industry. I've never switched uh, companies. It's been the company I've been with forever. Uh, I find my way here through uh, Scott Morris, who's our branch manager out of Culpeper, Virginia. And um, excited to be here, excited to be in Virginia. And Scott's been with us for a couple years and he's done a great job, and I'm here visiting him. So tell us about the 20 years. That's super impressive, man. Yeah. I, I, to, I've been in this business since 87, mm -hmm. and that, that, I did not know that about you because I didn't read your bio close enough, apparently. <laughs> uh, 20 years. So talk about that. What is that like to be in one firm in this industry? Because you've seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of I markets. have. I have. I have. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I owe a lot to our CEO, Tim Ross. Uh, he's uh, started the company. It's actually uh, founded in 1949, but let me clarify, Tim is not 180 years old. Uh, it's, it's, um, it, was, it was a 1983 startup with him and his father, oh, and then wow. they bought, three years later, they bought another company and took on their founding date. Uh, but for 40 years, uh, I started as a loan officer assistant, um, and uh, it was in 2003. And uh, quickly, I accidentally, I, the story goes is that I accidentally got uh, a pay stub from the person I was assisting. And when I saw how much he was making, <laughs> I immediately went into the office and said, hey, um, I don't quit per se, but I want to be a loan officer. Yeah, uh, so I was a loan officer for four or five years. Uh, then I actually ended up partnering with that person who hired me in for about eight years. We ran a $250 million branch, um, originations a, a year. And then um, I always joke with Tim and say that I became president because I was the only one left. So I was, <laughs> I was here. He had to choose me. So, but no, it's it's been a great run in an industry that uh, I, I like to say is very unloyal. Uh, mortgage loan officers come go constantly in our industry. Um, I've been pretty loyal, and it's it's treated me really good. So I, I like where I'm at, and I like the company. Love it, love it. Um, different markets you've seen. I mean, look at the last three years. We've probably seen, what, three, four different markets in the last three years alone? I mean, we're in a changing market right now. Yeah. 30, 45 days ago, rates we were getting in the fives. Now we're flirting with seven. Yeah. You talked about it in an eight-day spread. Eight-day spread. What, three quarters of a point? Three quarters of a point. In and eight days. days. I mean, this is, this is a roller coaster ride here. You have seen um, 20 years of markets. Yeah. So I want to hear your macro or broad perspective, the don't panic. They will write. <laughs> Show us yours on that topic. Well, I mean, a lot of people want to take us back to 2008. Um, but I think the reason people want to take us back to 2008 is because March of 2022, the business just shut off. And I think that in 2008, it shut off for a completely different reason. The housing market is set up I can't even explain. I, I, it would take too long. But so much better today. In 2008, today. you couldn't get anyone to buy a house. And in 2022, you couldn't get anyone to sell a house. Right. Because, right. 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 Because in 2004 and five and six, this cup of coffee I'm holding in my hand could have bought a half a million dollar house. Yeah. Well, that, exactly. I your mean, friend Brian, is it View, giving you some props? The president and COO of Finlocker? Um, give you some love on the show right now. Uh, ask them questions. Give them props. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. So I think the biggest thing is uh, the equity. 
I really do. I think the biggest thing is the equity, and then we're coming off those rates, right? So in 2008, no one had equity, um, and the market crashed. So therefore, you had an enormous housing crisis. We don't have a housing crisis. What we have is a we bunch do of, actually. We do, but it's a an different inventory crisis. crisis. Yeah. We have an inventory yeah. crisis, um, and then today, I think you know. You're sitting in 2008. You had the least amount of equity in the history of the United States, and in 2022, you have the most amount of equity in the history of the United States. And you've got, and you're coming off a two-year span where rates were in the mid twos to mid threes. No one wants to get rid of it. So I, I think that uh, the, the biggest crisis you have today is inventory. That's it. These rates don't scare me at all. I think rates could go down to four and a half right now, and you're still not all of a sudden going to see a ton of houses on the market. So we talk about on the show all the time, and I'll let Scott jump in because he's kind of predicting that by the end of the year we'll be able to. Oh, he, ha he has predicted that. Uh -oh. yeah. He has yeah, predicted I'm, that. I'm trying uh -oh. to set him up. I'll stand on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I still stand on that. Um, I mean, if we can go from literally where, and I'm, you know, I've said this now it's been three weeks, but three weeks ago um, uh, we were quoting a 700K uh, well-qualified VA purchase uh, in the low fives uh, to where today that's, you know, you're almost at 7% uh, mid sixes. Uh, a 1.5% interest swing in, in three weeks. In eight days, we've moved uh, three quarters of a percent. Uh, the market is, is, is absolutely starving um, the, the thirst is real for some sort of news to turn this around. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it wouldn't. It doesn't take a lot. And one of the things that uh, so I was listening to this morning. So we're not getting the the movement in inflation inflation that the Fed has hoped that they would see. But the Fed mm -hmm. is you know I've also come on the show and repeatedly said the beatings will continue until inflation improves. So what we're beginning to see is some takeaway uh, to uh, the available uh, money pool. So what I mean by that is we put 30% of the available money in the market uh, in the course of 18 months. Now, in the past six months, we've seen 3 to 5% of that money come off the table. So the more that we see of that dissipate, the I think it, there's a lag there. Inflation didn't happen uh, as quickly as, you know, everybody said it's coming, and then you've you know, got uh, some, a bunch of politicians who, who've said, no, free money is real. We can do this forever. And then it turned out to, oh, shift, we cannot do this forever. Oh, did you read my notes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you, bro. And, oh, I love you. And, and now that we're starting to see that, that money dissipate from the pool and we're starting to see some improvement to the supply chain process – it's a matter of time. We're, the, the rate increases aren't gonna, don't have a direct effect in... Uh, so, so I'm going to give numbers to prove that, to your point. Uh, on February 10th, so I take a look at these weekly snapshots going seven days back. Sure. On February 10th, there were 62 homes that went into pending. They went into contract. I'm looking at it right now. Seven days back from today was 82. We're up 20 units. In, that's four. We're up 20 units <laughs> in, in whatever number of days it is from the 10th to now, which the rates were lower in February 10th than they are now. So that's the proof. And, oh, by the way, inventory uh, and 210 was 74 units. We only have 56 on the market right now. Yeah. So, so inventory so 20, is dropping. So 20 up. Nothing came back on. Volume is increasing. Mm -hmm. This isn't rates, guys. No. This is folks having to move, having to make yeah. life changes to and, go ahead and, and, and I do think that. Reagan was the one. Wasn't Reagan the one who said, "We're the government. We're here to help." Wasn't that a Reagan? That was line? Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that was yeah. Ronald Reagan. I, Don't I let think me go down the road because I actually <laughs> met him. Ronald Reagan. I'm, I'm not going to go politics on you, but I am going to no. go government on you. And in 2008, so Scott said it best, right? In 2008, you couldn't get anyone to buy. Yeah. And in 2022, you can't get anyone to sell. The difference was in 2008, the government could help, and they did. Yeah. Obama came out and he said, hey, I think it was $9,000 to tax dollar for dollar rebate anybody who buys a home. Yeah. That's real money. And at the time, home, home prices were so cheap, $9,000 was a lot of money. Yeah. So they helped it so much. I mean, that was a huge helping from the government, right? The government can't really do anything to get sellers to sell, right? So 2.75 right here. So why? We, ha we talked about yeah. this on Monday. What's the motivation at 275? Now, he's going to say you got divorce, you yep. got death, yep. you got change of job, loss yep. of job, all the life issues, life circumstances. Will make you, life can make you change. That's but about it. But if I don't have any of those... You're staying put. Do I stay put? 
Do a lot of people think that way? Yes. So what could the government? But that's going to hurt we, inventory. We, that right we, there. Yeah. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. You played a little what if game yesterday. What could the government do? Could the government do something with uh, how they're how they're the, how they're taxing? Could they? Yes. Yeah. I think the the one thing the government could do, which I don't know how much this would help, but uh, capital gains is ridiculous. And if they alleviated ta- capital gains, at least I mean, or think th- about it. There was a eight-month period there. Real estate associated capital gains. Yeah, 100%. There was an eight-month period there where investors were stealing all the homes, right? They were, they were outbidding everyone and getting all the homes. Give them a reason to sell. You know, right now, the, the capital gains is so bad, you know. Uh, they so have you're no saying capital gains is hurting the investor stock that was bought yeah. in the last 24 years because there's no incentive for them. And to he's saying the investor stock, these guys are sitting yeah. on stacks of yeah. paper. Yeah. So, but they so don't want to sell because of the exposure. So yeah. this is why micro, micro markets matter, mm-hmm. right? So up in Michigan and, yeah. and Arizona and Phoenix, I would say yes. Our marketplace, we don't have a large investor pool of, of that. They're, they're, you know, you don't you don't see the street here. You don't see these. Now you have like small investors have one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you don't have these huge investor pools where they're buying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds right. and hundreds of units. And this that. follow-up question, though, and, and you're 100% right, uh, Keith, follow-up question. If rates do drop and we get into the fours like he's predicting, is that good for the market? That's going to create a bonanza. It won't hurt. It won't hurt for a lot of reasons. Um, so, there's a, so there's a couple things going on right now. So A, anytime you go down to the fours, it won't hurt. You've got to bring back impulse buying. And you have zero impulse buying. With, um, I bought, the house I'm in today, I bought in 2012. My wife and I were not even looking for a house. Literally, we're not. I'm in the business, so I always get houses sent to me that are on the market. We found the house rate. The rate I think we had was uh, in the low fours. And the rate wasn't even a question for me. It was an impulse buy 100%. We didn't need a new house. We weren't looking for a new house. But the house came up. We liked it. It was in the area that we really liked. And we bought it. At 7%, no one's, people tell people to stop sending them listings. Like, we don't even want to look at it because even if we find something we like, we don't want, we don't want to pay 7% for it. Which, by it. the way, which, by the way... I'm sorry, but mid sixes and below are great rates. My first house, six great and eight. rates, and I hate and being I love that it. guy. I hate being that guy yeah. that says that, but it's the absolute well, I'll the, truth. I'll be the other guy. eighteen. Uh, yeah, my 18. first house was eighteen percent. Right, right, so, right. And you were happy. I was yeah. happy to yeah. get it. I had an arm for six and three quarters. The first house I bought, okay. an arm for six and three quarters, and I was fine with it. It was, it was fine. And I refied a couple of times. Yeah, absolutely. But the difference is today the national media is just brainwashing people. A thousand percent. And it's the he- we cannot get away from the freaking headlines and the news cycle. Mm-hmm. And that brainwa- that that takes – I'm choosing my words carefully here. The average Joe and average Betty gets influenced by that at significant degrees. I was at a business networking event last night at Dairy Central, and Dino said to say hi, by the way. What's up, Dino? Uh, did not know he opened up a pasta place. Yeah. It was freaking awesome. So yep. if you guys are listening, want to go out to uh, Dairy Central, go see Dino at his pasta place. It's, it's actually handmade. It's really, really good stuff. There we go. I'm half, Ital- I'm half Italian, so yeah. you know, I needed to go there. The other half was Irish. I went to the bar Pas- first. Then I Pastorella went to- isn't Mexican. Italian right here on set. <laughs> from, the, from the Bodo's post earlier this week motivated me. To, we're going oh. to grab Bodo's for there lunch. There we go. There we go. I'm going I'm to help that $32 million. Uh, uh, $20 ticket average. Yeah. Um, Michael Sendor giving them props. TJ Barker. Andrea Golovsky. Golovsky. Benjamin Wright. Robert Harris. Trisha Lada. I mean, good Lord. The list continues here. Popular guy. So, um, so Darren Gorder says your higher rates were on a house that cost 100 k It's all relative, Keith. That's true. It was 18% That's at 150 k And somebody do the math. It was really smart. That was a really- 150 You'd have bought a nice house in 1980. Yeah, well, I got, I got expensive. <laughs> yeah, uh, champagne taste. Your budget, but expensive. <laughs> champagne taste. But this networking event I was at, last night, it's all CEOs and you know, mm-hmm. folks that, that, you know, these are pretty smart business folks. To Jerry's point, are watching the boob tube. There's a 60s, 70s. Oh yeah, it's all watching, right here. Watching the boob, the boob tube, and was like, you know, is interest rates killing the business? And then I pull up my thing and I go, nah, no, you know, it's not. It's not. It's not. We were just watching it 
uh, Jerry and I were just watching right before we went live, and, and I, hate, I hate the headlines. The headlines kill me. Fear of inflation. Well, I mean, we're a, we're a year and four months into this. Where's the fear? There is no fear. I mean, it, it, but they're going to keep telling us so that it's United scary. United Van Lines does a, uh, and, and they go back to 1972. They, they, they calculate and they do a study who's moving in and who's moving out and why. You said Michigan, right? Yes. So you have a 57.8% outbound move in Michigan mm-hmm. and only a 42.7% inbound thing. The number one reason for people moving inbound was 43% for family. The number one reason for moving outbound was also family at 30 at 33 33%. Yeah, COVID didn't help the state of Michigan. The way we handled COVID did not help the state of Michigan. That's your home base, Michigan? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it did not help it did not help the state when it came to moving out. Um, that, that went way up over the last couple of years. Not way up, but it went up over the last couple of years. And, and they all, the other thing that's hurting the move in um, is we live and die by the, by the cars. Obviously, we're the Motor City in Detroit. We're the big three, where big three resides. When the big three's not on a hiring spree, you're not going to have a lot of move-ins. So we kind of live and, live and die with the, uh, with the uh, Car, car industry. The funny thing, too, is we're also the mortgage mecca of the world. I mean, you got Rocket and UWM, you know, at each other's throats, and we're just little Ross mortgages in between them in Troy, Michigan. So you got Rocket in Detroit, you got UWM in Pontiac, and then here's little Ross mortgage. We just watch the ball go back and forth. We just grab our popcorn and watch. Yeah, but you guys are getting <laughs> some huge battery plants. I was reading something about, oh, yeah. about you guys are really. We just got one in Jackson. In so Virginia, moving inbound, top three reasons. Retirement at 16%, family at 43%, job at 30%. My quick math, roughly 89% of the buyers coming in and moving, moving into this area was for those big three reasons. Mm-hmm. Cost was only 7%. So seven, you know, cost of, of of mortgages and all that right stuff outbound was only two percent. Well, the people 2%. retiring, moving in, are moving in from northern states with uh, higher price that. points. That's you, been the case for forty years. So Scott and I are both Marines, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he had the misfortune. Thank you for your service. Thank you. He, he had uh, the opportunity of swinging a hammer for me at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the people that we built. We built homes for, hold on one second, we built homes for were folks coming out of the Northeast Corridor. That, sure. That's always been the case. It always will be the case. Get the hell away from $30,000 a year taxes down to something that is ridiculous. Well, so talking about $30,000 in taxes. So let's talk, go back to the, the investor selling a property that, let's say they bought a house for $500,000. Um, it's appreciated 20%. So they got $100,000 uh, in, in, in equity in a 24-month period, uh, they go to sell that. They're going to be 30, 30 G in, uh, in capital gains. They're going to have another $30,000 uh, in, in fees, costs, taxes uh, to, to get rid of it. So they're really only – they're forty grand. And then – so what is – that takes away their motivation. It's not worth to, it. It's, it's, not, not, it's worth not, it. not worth it. I mean, no. we were, I was just talking about this with you. I got a uh, rental at the Villas at Southern Ridge. No debt on it. I – would be inclined at 1031. I can't 1031 because there's nothing to buy. And what you just outlined, why would I sell and just keep it and bank it or put it in the markets? It's just yeah, not worth it to me. You're no. not going to pay capital gains on that at this point. Um, is it past the threshold? What's the threshold? You've had the thing two, for a while. Is it two years for the uh, peak capital gains? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I it, believe so. We're I'm going not, down a little. I am not a tax professional. I'm about to say we're going down a little slippery slope because it really depends on the rest of your portfolio and so forth and so on. I would just automatically assume. Talk CPA. Yes. Yeah, Talk CPA. CPA. Well, people are giving answers right now on the feed here. <laughs> um, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to. Re- people are saying they're tax professionals on the feed, giving answers. They're saying how long have you had it? Um, and like Keith said, it depends on what else you have in your real estate holdings. Yeah, 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 so yeah. right there, that's a good answer right there from Spencer. Um, here's a good question for Tim. We have a macro uh, voice on the show. You're the president of Ross Mortgage. Mm-hmm. What scares you about what could happen in 2023 and what um, gives you positive momentum of what could happen in 2023? If you're mm-hmm. giving a counsel and advice to the branch managers and leaders like Scott, you're, you're lieutenants. What advice are you offering? I mean, what scares me about 2023 is, oddly enough, not, it doesn't have much to do with the real estate market, but it has everything to do with people building wealth, and that's the credit card debt we're in. 
Oh, that, amen, that, that, is, that is what scares me. We are, we are in the largest amount of credit card debt, and I don't know if it's a history. And that flip happened fast. It's a, yeah. the top in American I don't history. Wanna, is yeah. it the top of yeah, American, American history? American okay, history. I mean, that, it went from the lowest to the highest. That scares the heck out of me because here's, here's my real macro reason as to why, and this is an opinion. I want to start off by saying this is an opinion. People saved so much cash during COVID. I mean, when you're stuck in your house, you're not vacationing, you're not buying gas, you're not really doing anything, you have nothing to do with your money but save it, right? Then you creep out of COVID, and the average Joe has more cash than they normally have, so they start living a little better. And they start living a little better for about 10, 12 months. Then all of a sudden, they go back into real reality, where they have normal bills, normal gas, normal everything, but yet they still like the little taste they had for 12 months, so they don't really have the money to do it, so they start taking out credit card debt. Then while all this is happening, the Fed raises these rates in an absurd amount, and everybody comes to me and says, oh my gosh, the Fed's raising rates, the Fed's raising rates. It does have an influence on mortgage rates, but it really doesn't. The average $10,000 credit card two years ago was $127, I think. Don't quote me on any of this stuff, but it's really close if I'm, if I'm wrong. It's like $490 today. So inflation goes up, the cost of eggs go up, the cost of gas goes up, cost of everything goes up, and your credit card bill tripled. Your debt, yeah. You know, so I think that's I the thing that's... you said 10000 It's light. Yeah, Yeah. so now multiply that by three, right? That's what scares me. What doesn't scare me, what actually encourages me, is I believe that rates are going to do this. However, what happened in the last eight days is going to happen. Rates are not going to go 20-20 on us and start here and go down here with no bumps. We've got a quick bump in the road here in the last eight eight days to two weeks. And I believe uh, that the rates are ultimately going to be in the low fives by June. And I believe we're going to get there by going down and then bumping up and then going down lower than we were before we bumped up and then continue. But we're going to have these these constant bump ups. And why that encourages me is because the amount of equity people have. So, I do believe people will people will tap into their equity and some people have no choice on how to tap into their equity other than to sell their home. So that that's what encourages me a little bit is people will want that equity, you know. Well, I hope you're right. I've been quoted on the show to say I don't think I think it's going to not help. I don't think you're going to see inventory creep up that much. I think you're going to see the buyer pool just get deeper mm-hmm. on it. And I just, without solving this inventory issue, and I'm going to throw this to you, you know, put your crystal ball. We have some crystal balls here. We don't have the camera set up. <laughs> um, so, so in your opinion, you know, you're, you're a big picture guy. I hope he doesn't ask me how to fix the inventory. Get ready. Get ready. <laughs> so how do you like the Mets? <laughs> <laughs> He's got family watching. Michael's watching. Yeah. I mean, look, you have, you have look, here you go. Here's your magic wand. Okay. Wave your magic, wave your magic wand. Fix inventory. What, what does that look like? Oh, you're not going to like my answer, America. Go down the government road, if that's what yeah, you think. I mean, no. Is I, it the I, red tape road? Is that no. the road? Okay, so. Not everyone should be a homeowner road? Is no, that? Nope. Nope. What are you going to do? Oh, no, no. You want to fix it? You got it? six states watching you right here. Oh, great. Including your son-in-law in uh, Connecticut. <laughs> Harry Tyson, uh, a, I'll get to your re- question. A recession. A, re- oh, yeah, a recession. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. A recession. Because here's here's the bottom line. If and you're just asking me to, to solve the housing no, no, problem, I, I, I've been, I I've would been. never put us into a recession, and I wish ill will on no one. But the bottom line is, with this much equity, if if someone were to lose their job or not be able to pay, the 2008, the answer was to walk away from the home. Yeah. And that was a horrible thing. And that's not going right? to happen. That's not going to happen. There's too much equity. Yeah. The ultimate reason is you got to sell your house to get that equity because you can't cash it out because you don't have income. Yeah. And unfortunately, if we get in a recession, you will see a ton of houses go on the market because people will need that equity. They'll need that money and they'll go rent. They'll take that money and go rent until they get a job. So unfortunately... Well, that's uh, what the Fed's trying to do. They're trying to force us yes, into a recession. but that's yes. going to happen... It's going to take, just like everything else, it's going to take longer to get there than expected. Than, than expected because mm-hmm. the people who get in trouble aren't going to reach out for help when they start getting in trouble. It's going to, they're, going to have to, it, they're, they're going to have to go the full range of, of losing the house to where it's, it's actually being foreclosed on before, or turned into a short sale before they're 
actually able to get out. So the people who are in trouble won't actually yeah. pull the pull the shoot. They won't reach out to a realtor. They're gonna they'll bury their heads because that's just what happens. So whoever's listening or watching yeah. the show, let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah I, I don't I don't think that's gonna. I don't happen. think it happens. Uh, you know, look, the, the, there's which, too much at, equity. At one point in time, in the time of great unpleasantness, is. A gentleman by the name William Neil Williamson has coined it, and I've stole it. Uh, <laughs> about 2008, you're you're 100 right. There's too much equity. Mm-hmm. Unemployment is zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not going to happen. We're not going to go back to. I think at one point in time there was more foreclosures going on than like divorces in the country. Some huge, mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. numbers in the mm-hmm. in the millions mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. across the board. Now it's in the in the tens and twenty thousand. It's been flipped completely on its head. Yeah. In two thousand eight, so, there was twelve point three million homes for sale and three point three buyers. In two thousand twenty two. There was 15.1 buyers and about 4 million homes for sale. That's a great stat. Right? I mean, it, that is Love completely that flipped on its head. And, 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 and as a recovering developer and builder, we're about five, depending on who you talk to. Some economists say three, some economists say six. Split the middle, call it five. Five million new construction units just to keep up with demand. Oh, yeah. And, new construction's a big problem know, right now. When 25% of all new construction is due to red tape, and I'm a huge proponent of turning red tape into green tape. Mm -hmm. It does make a difference. It does help move projects along, which then helps the inventory. New construction, more new construction helps the existing, and it just helps the whole ecosystem move up. So you're picking up what I'm laying down when I say let us get our lumber from uh, Canada and not Germany. Well, <laughs> that would be an enormous, an enormous savings. <laughs> well, we, that whole tariff thing's been going on since Reagan. So, I know, I so know, it, I it's, know. It's, it's 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 not going away. Anymore. No, I know. I Michael's know. watching. Is that that's family to you? Is it Michael Pascarella? Uh huh. Yes. Um, a bigger thir- picture, he says, from a director of a nonprofit, is when rates go up, donated money from those banks gets lower. We build low-income houses, and a lot of our funding comes from local banks. Yeah. The fewer houses that are selling, the less money that comes back to the local area. It's a great point. That's a great point. The Michael's my brother. Uh, he served. He's a retired Army vet, uh, and he is. Uh, he works for a nonprofit for homes. That if I said it, you guys would know exactly which one it is, and uh, he's the man. So there we appreciate, go. Appreciate I think we comment. know which one that is. So I'm a. I am yeah. a chairperson of a nonprofit affordable housing, so I get it. He's 100% yeah. spot on, mm-hmm. and it's called Habitat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I think we, we can say yeah. Habitat. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Darren says this for uh, the mortgage guys. Make veterans a protected class and help every single veteran who can repay ATR a homeowner. We have 3.6 million living vets in the U.S., and only 19% of veteran buyers use the Virginia benefit, I can or the VA benefit, excuse me, I can list an armload of reasons why it kicks all other type of, uh, said asses. Darren, you can't say asses. Darren's the man. Darren, Darren uh, uh, is a partner, uh, not a partner, but he's a member of the Veterans Mortgage Advisor, uh, which a gentleman out of my uh, company runs, uh, a couple of gentlemen out of my company run, and um, they, they are amazing advocates for veterans. They do a lot of VA business, those guys. Darren's down in Florida. Is that the Darren, Darren is in Delaware. Okay. I think that's the Darren that's talking. Yeah, on yeah. your, I think you're right. Yep. Um, first time home buyer, more uh, dubious distinction buying in this market with no inventory and value skyrocketing and rates affordable but getting mm-hmm. a little more expensive, mm-hmm. or um, more challenging to buy during peak COVID for the first time home buyer. Oh. I think that I think we talked about this before. I think the biggest problem we have is first time home buyers. I mean, the the housing affordability is just so it, you think it's, it's harder now than it was peak COVID 18 months ago. Yeah, you do. I do. I agree with you. 100%. I do because of the prices. Valuations Absolutely. have gone up. There's yeah. no inventory. Now, but to Scott's point, there's no appraisal gap. Go, now no. they can go in, make an offer, uh, possibly get some closing cost assistance, depending on where and what they're looking for. Whereas before they were walking into an 18 offer situation, going, what, what am I supposed to do here? Lower rates, though. Well, it's, it's, it's six one way, half dozen the other. I mean, the, neither situation is good. <laughs> But I think it's harder today because you've got higher rates and higher va- values. I mean, first off, in my opinion, first-time homebuyers, you know, they're making less than $100,000 a year. Go find a house. 
go, oh, go, go, sure. fi- go find a house that, that $80,000 a year, which, by the way, is good income, can't, can, can afford. It, it, I, th- I think that the builders are, is a huge struggle. Uh, I, I was at an MBA event, the Mortgage Bankers Association, and the head of, I don't even know, whatever, the head of building in America was talking. And he said that, you know, because we asked him, there was like four of us that asked him the question, why don't builders want to build um, start homes, affordable homes, they and can't. and they can't. Yeah, they yeah. said they have made it so that the margins that makes no sense. Well, back Why? to that twenty five percent. Yeah. So right. I've got two different builders. They're minimum, minimum, um, uh, well, septic house, no land, two hundred eighty thousand dollars. So the, then, whatever the lot's going to be, the average plus. New well, build. then you add value. The the assessments nationally have gone up astronomically, which makes the dirt more expensive yeah. to buy, and the tax right, rates for no, jurisdictions like, are going up. Lumber which makes is it ridiculous. Cost, it's just yeah. debt services yeah. is higher. Yeah. yeah. The average new construction home I read somewhere, and I don't know if, how accurate this was, but the average new construction home in 2022 was 467. Yeah. I'm back. Yeah. That's insanity. That's, that's insane. That's so insane. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. it influences existing construction. Drives those values up, yeah. makes everything more expensive, Keith. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I was actually doing a little bit of looking because, you know, what we're talking about is the millennial buyer. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And the millennial buyer, the buyer, I'm trying to get the exact number so I don't want to misquote it, but the, uh, there are more millennial buyers in the market yeah. than there's ever been. They're growing. Ever. My buyer pool, which is a boomer buyer pool, is slowly mm-hmm. decreasing, mm-hmm. you know, because we're kind of aging out of the world mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. on that stuff. So, and it's becoming, you know, I, I'm going to say something that might not be too popular, but the only reason I'm going to say it is because my daughter, who's a millennial who's looking to buy in Richmond, and my son-in-law, this is really going to come to generational conflict, mm-hmm. generational differences, because I can roll into a home that my daughter's a trying bag to of buy money. with a bag of cash because yeah. I've been sitting on the home all the time. Yeah. And this young couple who's trying to get started, back to what you're talking they're about, gonna struggle. they're competing against me. They're going to struggle. Um, to so go I've, ahead and do that. I've been saying this for the last six months now. So the, the reason rage. there's... It's that that's going to be there. 100%. The reason why there's 15.3 buyers and you know 3.3 million homes is because uh, the gen- that we skipped a generation of first-time home buyers. And I don't blame them. So uh, millennials uh, graduated college in 2008 to 2011. So they literally graduated college when the media and the world was telling them that the mortgages are the worst thing in the world. They put us in an economic crisis, a catastrophe. So what motivated them to go out and buy a house? So then all of a sudden they decided to either move back in with mom or dad or rent, right? Well, all of a sudden, for the longest time, rent was a really good deal. Rent was a really good deal in 2012 to 2018, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. It was a really good deal. So we had too much empty housing stock. Right. So, so the they rent started prices saving, were affordable. Yeah, so they started saving money. So now all of a sudden you fast forward a decade, you've got Gen Z coming out of college. They, don't, just, even, they don't even know what 2008 is, right? So they want to buy a house, right? And now you've got the millennials all of a sudden coming into the so market. Gen Z is almost matching millennial right. volume. Right. So you've got you got two generations boomers, you got buying two a house. Generations. Yeah, it's insane. And and you know, it's why I'm is your brother that's in the affordable housing space? Yes. Uh, he's in the affordable housing space or housing affordability space because he's trying to figure out a way to, to, to do that. So my hat's off to him because I'm in that space too yeah. on my volunteer work. It's a lot of a lot of hard work to try to try to do that. But you're spot on, man. You are, you know this this is going to be a generational thing. Yep. And you know I, I, I we've lost out a couple of potential deals, and the answer is, is you know a damn boomer bought it, right? <laughs> I know. And they bought it with cash. Because they, they sold their cash. house. This is from Connecticut. Um, Harry. People, people didn't just save more money during COVID. Um, they had nothing to spend it on. But a lot of us took forbearance on the mortgage as well. Mm-hmm. And then that's coming due. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Due now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he highlights that. Jason, so go ahead. Not just forbearance on the mortgage. But all these small business loans were oh, yeah. into forbearance until last November. Cars. And ne- well, and then we are in the – there's more auto defaults now than there ever has been in, mm-hmm. uh, in history. So that is, that's a big uh, leading indicator of, of the possible recession that we might already be in that we're not in. Um, and <laughs> because they changed the definition. Right. Yeah. Right. So 
uh, I mean, you've got a you've got a two year that is just outrageously upside down with the ten. Um, but all right, that, all that aside, uh, small businesses. Um, you know, you deal with this on the regular: food trucks, uh, restaurants, uh, stores. I Anything. Saw, I, yeah. yeah, I'm curious to see. Uh, now, Rebecca's three seventy five. I see that now. Yeah. I would think that's more of a profitable business that somebody's actually looking to exit um, because they're in a space, especially with CBD and all the things that's uh, making money. That they're making money. Yeah. Um, but you look at uh, small pharmacies. Uh, even CVSs uh, in in certain areas, they are having a, an extremely difficult time turning a profit with the way that the current drug prices are set up, and then how they have to unload their front end inventory, um, along with the the labor costs that they're dealing with. So, uh, when, if they can't do it, if CVS can't do it, the, the mom and pops aren't doing it. Uh, and if they took up extra money because they thought they were going to fix their problems with it during COVID, got it in deferment, and now it's coming due, and they're having another oh shift moment. I'll do it all day, baby. <laughs> you can follow uh, me around, by the way. That it's time to let go. Um, yeah. They're going to have to find. They're either going to lose the business, or they're going to have to figure so, out so someone let's, to sell let's, it to. Let's turn this around a little bit, guys. Right. So, what can Ross Mortgage do? I got millennial buyers, mm-hmm. first-time home buyers. What tools do you have in your tool chest? To help me help my first-time home buyer, my millennial buyer, so, buy and compete. So back to what I'm talking about. Now is the time where they can go out, find a house, especially if it's been on the market for a little while, and go get some concessions. And we can talk about a two-one buy-down, which is perfect when we're in an environment like this. Um, if it's something where that. Th- we as a team know that there's a contractor and a distressed property that's been on. We can go and make some upgrades on something that might not be exactly what they want, but we can go do a 203K, um, Home Possible. We can. There's a lot of options that we can do to renovate the home to get them what they want. So I want to do a, a specific or show in the home they want. with you on the 203K and really walk through that. Because when, you, when we did that a couple of weeks ago, my phone rang off the hook. I want more information on 203K because, Tim, real estate is six things, right? Location, price, features, condition, timing. And then I always say who's on the other side matters. Gets me in a little bit of trouble. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's true. uh, It it does, actually. Yeah, yeah. Written notes and stuff like that. But it's true. Who's on the other side matters. So to to your point, you know, we're in the right location. The price is the price. The market's going to set it. It's those two features and conditions that we have to start looking at. And the 203K program is great for that. And actually, this is something that my daughter and we're all going to be talking about because in Richmond, where they want to buy and what they want to spend... We, we're going to have to fix something up, or we're going to have to change it. So now you're talking about my baby, the 203K. So uh, during the distressed time of 2011 and 12, Ross Mortgage was the number one 203K lender in the state of Michigan, number five in the Midwest. I did over 200 in 2011. Uh, so so talk about the benefits. What's the good thing? I mean, the biggest benefit in a market like this is that uh, most of the of the houses that are being sold right now um, that are selling fast are the turnkey, right? Millennials, I love them. I got nothing against them. I don't know a lot of them that are swinging hammers and painting painting walls, right? Uh, If there's anyone out there, don't yell at me. It's just the facts, right? (laughs) It's just my opinion. Yeah, it's just my opinion. (laughs) But the biggest thing... And for um, the ones, for the the handful that are, they're doing it on TikTok and showing it to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What you're talking about. I'm going to tell you a So my point point is is that when you're you're stuck with inventory like this, nobody wants to look at the crappy house, right? Mm -hmm. Well, my thing is absolutely look at the crappy house, right? There is renovation lending out there where they'll not only give you a loan to buy the house, but they'll give you a same 30-year fixed rate loan in order to fix the house up to almost, as long as it appraises, unlimited amount of money. And it is an awesome program. Um, and I think, it's, I think it is something that uh, Scott and Ross Mortgage can really do to help the area for these distressed properties, um, finding the right contractor and all that good stuff. So, so that's why, you know, trusted partners matter. Yep. And, and, you know, Scott brings those trusted partners because, you know, you need some trusted partners to get, to get through that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and yeah, then I'm, I'm set, scared when he does this. I know. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> Four setting, years of doing this. This was I, not rehearsed. I, I'm <laughs> setting you up for something that I want the, uh, the story to talk about. Sure, sure. So what skill or talent you don't currently possess that you wish you did? So what skill or talent did you don't currently possess that you wish you did? Oh, I wish I was you. I wish I could build homes. 100%. 100%. So I asked that question quite a bit, and mm-hmm. I was 
giving a presentation to the Virginia Governor's Housing Conference, and I was the old dude, mm -hmm. and there were six or seven, 20-somethings, maybe 30 years old, and I asked that question. Most people answer, um, play an instrument, you know, speak foreign languages. Every single one of them said, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, I want to be able to open up a hood of a car and know what I was looking at. Yeah. So every one of these young millennials... So do most technicians that are working on it. <laughs> trying to make a Opinion point. only. <laughs> trying to make a point. But to your point mm -hmm. is that's what I heard, right? Yeah. You know, how do I fix a squeaky door? How do mm -hmm. I do... Well, mm -hmm. they have no idea how mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. When we were all coming up, our dads taught us, or our moms, yeah. or we went out to work, or w whatever, we did this. So uh, it was very... It was an aha moment for me that I realized... You're spot on. Yeah, that, that they don't know how to do it, and that's why they want to hire a trusted advisor like Scott mm -hmm. to help them manage through that process. And you don't need to hire me; I'm free. I will I will work for you for free until you buy a house. Right. So there is one thing that's happening. The government's doing it. It's happening today. It's actually going to be announced, I think, in two hours. Um, the FHA loan. Yeah. The FHA, the Biden Harris administration, is announcing today. I think at one o'clock that they are almost cutting. Uh, the FHA mortgage insurance, the monthly mortgage insurance, by almost half. It's going from 0.85 to 0.50, oh, I think. Or so 0. why is 5, that important? Five, five. Five, why five. is that important? Uh, because of payment. So uh, to give you an example, um, that is the equivalent. Uh, I think I did the math before the show. That's the equivalent of almost three-eighths in rate. So think about that, right? So if you're at 6.5% with today's mortgage insurance, I always blend the payments, always, because FHA has mortgage insurance. It's not going away. It is what it is. Sure. That is literally like taking that same uh, loan and to putting it down to 6 and an eighth. And to and give that uh, a little more clarity to anybody listening as far as what that means in numbers, for the average, the average FHA loan, it's going to lower your payment about $70 a month. Yep. The way you explained is the best. It takes off a little bit off of this interest rate, yeah. right? Yeah. Because people are potentially, because they're watching the boob tube, freaking out about interest rates. The, the volume of sales aren't showing that. It's yeah. just what you're seeing on the, on the television. But and if you I can, think, anything you can do to shape points, the 2-1 buy yeah. down, the yeah. FHA is going to help you. I think people need to get off the whole rate thing. I mean, yeah. when, I bought, when I first bought my first home, I, I, you guys told me what your rates were. I, I think, I guessed what my, I think it was 6.75 on an arm. I don't really, I'm not that positive about it because all I cared about was what was my payment. Yeah, monthly payment. That's, so that's all I cared that, about. Thank you for saying that's that. That's all you, I cared about. What was my doing, payment and how much been, do I owe at closing? That's you've it. been doing this for 20 years. Yes. How many conversations you've had with clients on the other side of the table was about rates? It was always about? Payment. Payment. I, as a matter of fact, up until this, uh, this year might be the first year that rates even come to the equation. I mean, I, I used to, my speech to my pre-approvals used to be, how much do you want to spend a month? You if you tell me how much you want to spend a month, I'll tell you what price to look at. But that's going to worsen. And it's because of uh, smartphones and the ubiquitous oh, yeah. nature of media right sure. in our hands. Sure. I mean, we have, what, we're two taps away from the 90-second soundbite on our phone. We see it on TikTok, Instagram, everywhere. Harry says, for you... Does that have an effect on the PMI I'm paying for only putting down 10% when nope. you were talking about? No. It, it, well, if that was a conventional loan you did, then no. Yeah. Um, it's only on FHAs, and I'm pretty sure it's only on new FHA loans. I doubt they're going to do anything for the, the current FHA loans. But that's also, for, the, for those of you who are in FHA loans, um, look, call your local lender, call Scott, um, and ask about FHA streamlines because that could be a that could be the difference between doing an FHA streamline and not. And an FHA streamline is just a real simple way to refinance and lower your rate on an FHA loan. So let's take about thirty seconds and give a quick primer of the difference between a conventional and FHA. So conventional mortgage insurance, uh, you're uh, around thirty-five. Uh, that uh, yeah, around yeah. thirty-five to 30, that around thirty-five percent. Uh, 0.35 is the factor is the in multiple. which they com compute the mortgage insurance, and it used to be 0.85 for FHA, and it's going to 0.5. So it's so. Let's say an FHA loan, um, because it's government-backed price and your and credit is good. Uh, let's say the rate is actually a little better than what conventional pricing is. So with with the lower uh, multiple for the mortgage insurance or the mortgage insurance premium. Uh, you, you could actually have a lower payment with the FHA product as opposed to the conventional product, whereas today that's probably not the case. So, gentlemen, correct me if I'm wrong. Conventional is kind of a more market-driven product, right? Mm -hmm. FHA is a federal-driven 
product, right? Is that a fair statement? They're both, both market-driven. Yeah. They're backed, but, yeah. but the FHA, you can do zero down, right, or close to zero. Three and a half percent. Three, three and a half percent yeah. on that, which is close to zero. Maybe not the case on conventional. So if, if you were to ask me that question, yeah. I would tell you that it really doesn't have anything to do with the market. It's credit-driven. Got it. I think the two programs are credit-driven. Typically, typically, it's not all the time, but typically, uh, better credit steers towards conventional uh, lower credit steers towards FHA. Thank you for now, that. Thank you for that. When you talk about zero down, FHA is three and a half. However, we at Ross do have a product that has a, a second to where you can get into a home with zero down mm-hmm. uh, using a first and a second. So if you do that, plus now with the new, what did we say, 0.38? What, what, how much? 0.55 factor for mortgage insurance. Right. Getting better. So it drives that interest rate mm-hmm. down, which then drives your payment a little bit down, mm-hmm. which now puts you in a good position. It's a big deal. It was, uh, it was done eight years ago. Uh, exactly what they did was done eight years ago by uh, Obama, and, but it was done late in his term. And then Trump came in and kiboshed it. Literally, it was like the first thing he did when he got in office. And now we are back again uh, doing the same thing. So the FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, they, they are, they, they've never been stronger. So it, it was only right for them to do this. They raised it during 2008, which rightfully so. They lost billions of dollars in foreclosures and all that stuff. So rightfully so, they needed to do it. But their insurance portfolio has never been stronger. And it was the right thing for them to do was to, to cheapen it and make it, make it less. So I'm looking at the chart. Roughly, um, millennials are over 60% of, of prospective buyers that are actively searching for homes right now. It's about 65%. Gen uh, Gen Z is around 40, 45%. I'm reading a bar chart, so I'm rounding yeah. it off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because they're all getting married. The, these are two <laughs> huge numbers of, of buyers out there. Uh, baby boomers are below 40% right now. That uh, doesn't surprise me. How do we get the uh, medium and small builders back in the market? <laughs> if, I, if I had the answer to that, I... I'd be, I'd be a lot better. I mean, off. we talked about that frequently. So, they, last Friday, you know, last yeah, land, land. How do we get them? Pro- how do we get them something to build on? Um, and then, how quickly through which municipality are they building in? Can we get through the red tape? So, I chair a land trust. So, what a land trust does is we retain the ownership of the land, and the builder builds on top of that. So, we're trying to grow that model, which factors out the land component of what the buyer actually buys the unit that sits on top of it, which makes it forever f- affordable because we do a 99-year lease, which automatically renews in 99 years. So that's a potential program to go ahead and do that. But, you know, the reason why dirt is so expensive is because the red tape is so expensive. Well, and God's not making any more. Uh, last time I checked, <laughs> he's not making any more. He's not making any more. You're um, pumped for the rest of the year, Keith. You've said multiple times on the show you uh, see a strong finish to 2023. Well, not only that, but Keller was, Gary Keller was just saying this, that he's projecting right or wrong, that this is going to be the top, top, one of the top three to five volume years on it. On it. The volume, the number of sales are going to go down, but the prices are going up, so the dollar volume is going to be. Look, I, I, I've said this on the show m- numerous times. I've never been so excited about real estate as I am right now, and I've been doing it since 87 because – Oh, so I was saying, speaking of, of Keller Williams, and this is nothing against the real estate side, because I'm a huge fan um, of the company in general. However, uh, they had, go- they had uh, gone into a little enterprise called KW Mortgage, um, which they decided they just didn't want to do anymore and sold to Mutual of Omaha. Uh, yeah, but that, you know, everybody kind of throws a little bit of spaghetti on the wall. So we can go, we can go to the Zillow I buy disaster, that, yeah, yeah. you know, on that end of it. I mean, everybody's trying to throw spaghetti against the wall. But the reason I'm so excited about it is because you two guys, right? The pros really show up this time of the year. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. you've been through some things in the last 20 years. I have been since 87. And, you know, this is when you've got to, got to put your, bring your A game to help people get from point A the point B and make this magic happen. And, I'll, and again, I'll get myself a little bit into trouble here, but you know, just I'm going to quote Keller saying that the people that came in the last couple of years, if they don't get their competition game up, they're not going to be around. No, no. I think that, uh, you know, the loan officers renewal rate is, was, was the worst it's been in 10 years. A lot of people got out of the business. I don't know how the real estate market was, but I'm assuming it's probably similar. Um, I, 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 I'm very excited about this year. Um, I'm excited because I, uh, for, for, to be selfish for Ross in general, I think we're in a good spot. We've been around for 40 years. We've gone through many different markets. And when a 
Keller Williams gets sold to Mutual of Omaha or when companies decide that it's not, it's not for them. There's a lot of really good loan officers there that need a place to, to land, and, and Ross Mortgage is a, is a great place to start for sure. So we've, we've been around. We stick around. That's kind of our, our motto. Um, but I do think that the volume will be, be big because, uh, <laughs> like you said, it's just the, the facts. I mean, housing pricing is going to go way up. I am worried, and I'll continue to worry, about units. Because there's just what? units, okay. units. There's just not enough. Yeah. There's just not enough. So that's the only, if I would say there's only thing that's still worrying me is, is I, even in 2009, which after the catastrophe, you could totally see the opportunity. You know, with that many houses on the market, there was tons of opportunity. Now you had to go find the investors that wanted to buy them, but there was tons of opportunity. I don't know how they're going to fix the inventory shortage. I really don't. I, I think the four of us won't have that answer. No, we're, I think we're we'll, gonna, I think we can answer it in a couple of years, but I don't know. I think it's going to be what he said. It's going to be a generation that missed a chance on home ownership, or at least missed a chance on that like first rung of equity building to help mm-hmm. them into the the second rung mm-hmm. by selling the first rung. Yep. Um, and that's unfortunate. That's extremely unfortunate. I don't see it being solved. Jason Howard's trying to solve it on the feed with a question that's specific for Tim. He said, nationally, are you seeing any programs that are helping subcontractors or people getting into subcontracting work, like HVAC, electrician, or the trades? Mm-hmm. We have a significant shortage nationally. Is Tim seeing anything from his travels from other states that are doing this well? It's a great question. No. I think it's a huge, it's a huge issue in our area is, is, is that the retirement of good tradespeople yeah. and the, the uh, retirement is outweighing the uh, entry for good trades. Uh, that, that's a, that's a, the, the only... There's no chat GPT for tradespeople. No. Right, and that no. drives up the cost of housing. Because yes. if there's less labor, that labor can command more money yes. hourly. So the yes. small builder, his margin yes. shrinks. Yes, Which Absolutely. sucks. Absolutely. And then he has to raise the price to make even some money. I tell my son's friends, he's 15 years old, I tell him all the time, there is nothing wrong with being an electrician. You are going to make a ton of money. I just Googled it. The average age of a plumber is 55. That's insane. That is insane. And and plumbers can make bank. Huge. Uh, Huge. And no student debt. You're not coming out a quarter million dollars in the hole if you go to college, a four-year school. You work as an apprentice from day one, and you're making money while going to school as a plumber, as opposed to paying someone to learn. I'll make someone a million dollars right now because I won't do this, but it'd be an amazing thing to do is open a staffing company for trades. If you opened a staffing company for trades yeah, right you now, you got to have somebody. But you got to be able to train them. Well, you, you got to be able to train. You got to have people to fill the staffing orders. You, have, you want yeah. people willing to be trained to staff up. To I them. think the, the million goes, dollar company, maybe the hundred million dollar company, is a franchise school of of apprenticeship for trades. Oh, yeah. Where you open up one of these schools in every market, it's like the ECPI of trades yeah. or the University of Phoenix of the trades. Yeah. You just do one national, you know, put one in each market. So my wife, my wife is European. My wife is from Austria. And in Europe, in, in Austria in particular, because I know it well, they actually do what Jerry's talking about. Yeah. It's a government subsidized training So that's program. The, there's the rub. Is, is one, how do you get it paid for? Because these things exist. They exist in the auto industry. Uh, you've got uh, Jay Sarge uh, out towards Richmond who does a ton of trade-related uh, uh, education. But the problem is, for the cost... Jay Sarge is probably the best. When you get into the specialty, the privately owned ones, you know, they're paying, you know, they're thirty, forty thousand dollars out of pocket to get through this, and they just nobody shows up. So my nephew in Europe, right, in high school, had to make a choice, beginning of high school. Do I want to go to college route or the, the vocational route? He went the vocational route. Um, they trained him. He's a he's a master gas uh, pipe fitter, mm-hmm. right? Um, got out of high school, went for a company. On uh, uh, a um, come on, help me out. Oil oil company mm-hmm. in Europe, mm-hmm. and he's making multiple six figures. Yeah, and oh by the way, only works about. And six not to discount K Tech here in Albemarle. K Tech is a fantastic uh, facility. They've got which uh, is now owned by Charlottesville. They do a, a great job um, with uh, with getting uh, technicians of, of many different trades into their fields. You know what the problem is? Is today's teenager or impressionable mind would rather be an influencer yeah 
would rather well, do exactly what well, we're I mean, doing right get, now well, than rolling up their sleeves. Well, it, well there's... Or X the question. And we're doing it right we now, spent, Scott. And we spent... 30 years telling people that if you went into the trades, you were a failure and you have to go get a degree in basket weaving to do anything with your life. Or even better, how we've talked about uh, how the cost for, to be a teacher is so detrimental. You spend, you've got to have a master's degree in order to go earn $60,000. You've got to go six figures into debt with, that you're never going to pay back um, in order to earn $60,000 a year. It's a that joke. That burns me. I paid all mine back. I, I mean, <laughs> I paid for mine or, during college. Or look, look at the people who uh, yeah. work in mental health. Uh, to you know, they've got to 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 be a certified therapist. They've got to get master's degrees, and there's they're going two hundred k ish in debt to work it to to get abused in the the UVA health system by uh, by patients and staff to make sixty thousand dollars a year. It's a joke. Multiple viewers and listeners saying this. Take Todd Rath, who owns Blue Toad Heart Cidery in Nelson County. He says, "I was an honor student." in high school and college interested in engineering, I was told by guidance counselors that the trade school was not for me. And he blames guidance counselors for a generation of students not getting into the trades. Because societal norms, to Scott's point, was four-year college, four-year college, student loan debt, this is the rite of passage, this is how you, you, know, you rise the professional totem pole. Now we need kids to go to trades, but they would rather make money on a screen doing what we're doing than doing hard work and rolling up their sleeves. But but I think I think the problem. I mean, you know, the problem is the algorithms on these social media platforms oh, tell them that for sure. I mean, here's the thing: your percentage of success, if you go into a trade school, your percentage for success is like eighty percent. You have an eighty percent chance of going to learn how to freaking be a carpenter and actually being a carpenter and being successful and getting paid doing it, your percentage of success of being an influencer is 0.00001%. There's, there's legitimately one in a 300,000-person market that's monetized and is running the yeah. influencer model and, and successfully, right. and you're right. sitting next to him. Right, and, right. Okay? You're sitting right. next to him. There's then, one in right. a 300,000-person market that's doing it for profit. So, and think then, about that. And then, right. and, then the, and then the other for the ones that do find some elements of success is how long can they maintain it? Right. Um, 15 years and counting so far, knock on wood, okay? <laughs> but all you got to do is make one bad comment. Oh, you gotta for make, sure. You, know, you, you, yeah. you can be woke. Yeah. I, mean, he, I know firsthand. You are, you are, no, first you are no stranger. You know uh, He's exactly right. the pot a little too much. He's exactly right. He's 100% exactly right. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the old man at the this table. This is blowing up the feed right now. Go ahead, Ken. I'm going to be the old man at the table and bring up my father, Lenny Smith. My father told me in high school, he said, you know, and as I was growing up, you know, if you learn a trade and know how to do something with your hands, you will always be employable. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, he told me in high school to get the F up and get it out of his house. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But that was for a very different that. reason. Len, watch, Pop watches the show. They watch the guy. show. My he mother and father watches the show. show, so be careful. <laughs> but, but the reality of it is this phone that I'm holding in my hand mm -hmm. isn't going to sweat a pipe. Nope. Isn't going to frame a wall. Nope. Right? And there may be some technologies that come up that kind of do all that stuff. Isn't going to install an HVAC system. Isn't going to go ahead and destroy a wall, pointing fingers to him, mm -hmm. on that end of it, or do destruction work or construction work mm -hmm. in your case. It's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, having a talent. My, Harry, my, my oldest daughter is a makeup artist in New York City, right? She's a tradesperson. She does physical work. And movies. Your and oldest daughter is not named Harry. Your oldest daughter is married to Harry. Did I say that? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, let me. Your oldest daughter is married to Harry. I'm sure I can tell. Let me try Harry. this one again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harry, yeah. who's my son-in-law, yeah. who's married to okay. my oldest daughter, whose name is Yasmina. Tim's got a but, lot of new viewers of the show that may not speak. Okay, so they're wondering in Michigan what the hell's going on. Sorry about that. I have a very specific language. You'll learn it. Bottom line, my oldest daughter is a makeup artist in New York City. Right, and, and she'll that, always be employed. This always. phone, well, and particularly as you know, movies are coming up, and, and you know, this whole now, you know, you can watch a movie on your phone kind of thing. It'll always be there. Yeah. Neil Williamson speaks to the student debt, and it's a great segue for the Ross guys here. He says those who graduated in 2021 are coming out with borrowed money at a $31,820 clip higher mm -hmm. um, than uh, in years past. How about student loan debt 
and how it's impacting housing. Oh, yeah. Student loan debt and how you guys look at it, whether it's dollar for dollar or 50 cents on the dollar for the debt, that, that, you know, the debt service payment. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere you want to go on that topic, gentlemen. I mean, I, I made a complaint 10 years ago to the MBA. I said, you guys, I, I, the government is the most ridiculous thing in the world. You told everyone to go to school. You told everyone to get student loans. Then you came out and you made it so that everybody could do what was called income-based payments, right? So you could have $50,000 in student loans, but if your income only basically made it so you could pay about $50 a month, that's all you would have to pay. Yet, the, yet which is fine. I mean, whatever. It is what it is, right? Except for the, gov- the same branch of the government that does home housing loans came out and said, if you have $50,000 in debt, we have to hit you with a $500 payment so you can't afford a home. It was the most ridiculous thing in the world. Now, since then, they've reduced it to a half a point, which helps, to be sure. Um, but the, the student loans is going to stop a lot of people from owning a home. A lot of people, without a doubt. So the number one thing that I hear when But that's not a one-to-one ratio. You, you want to quantify that, right? Because you don't... You, if I have student debt of a dollar, you're not taking... The dollar is as against it. You're taking a portion of it. Is it correct? Yeah, it's one percent of the well, a half percent of the total loan amount is your payment that we have to hit you with. Got it. So even though that's not your payment, I just want so folks to make sure they understand. If I owe X hundred thousand dollars, we're hitting you with a five hundred dollar. You're getting a five hundred dollar uh, hit against your even if your payment's eighty. So that's bogus. Yeah. That's bogus. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's also bogus, even for the, inca- the income-based uh, repayment, they're still running interest on the loans. Yeah. So, you're, you're fi- so, when, you, really so when you take a look, your original high credit was $50,000, but now you owe sixty four because you've only been paying $5 yeah. a month, but they've been hitting you for 8% for the whole time. That's gross. And yeah. then the now, government comes out and forgives 10000 and everyone thinks they're doing them a big favor. All they did was forgive the interest that they put on top of your loan you already had anyways. Right. It was a PR ploy. <laughs> it was a PR ploy. It was a PR move. Yeah. They so, didn't save anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> so my take would be this. If That's a great take, guys. In the state of Virginia, um, we have got a – and North Carolina also um, has a fantastic farm system through uh, some local community colleges, PVCC, uh, NOVA in Northern Virginia, where you complete two years at a certain GPA and you are automatically enrolled in the University of Virginia. So let's say that you've chosen to go to school, you've taken a less cost uh, route, you were a good performer in high school uh, – this, in, at PVCC, a lot of the same professors that teach at, the, at UVA teach at PVCC, uh, teach at Germana. Oh, yeah. um, so you've got the option to go in because at the end of the day, when you go, if you're going to get into finance and you're going to get hired by Bloomberg, where a t- who farms out of UVA super heavy, they don't care that you went to a community college for the first two years. They want the stamp that says UVA on it. So. Teach your kids, educate your kids, encourage your kids if they're going to go that route to go that route. Um, that's, that's the biggest advice I have in that channel. Yeah, it's I mean, good advice. Yeah, it's good advice. 100%. Herpes did that. It's great advice. My niece did that. But as far as student She did student her undergrad debt. at Eastern Michigan. Now she's doing her master's at U- University of Michigan. You, student debt and purchasing a home. Um, I don't know. The, it, it is a it's a huge burden. The number one thing when someone when I have a, a, a realtor partner tell me they have a client, they're a lawyer, I, it's like a big deep breath, and I go, "Are they a Commonwealth attorney, or are they working for a private practice? Like, what do they do?" Because if you're telling me they've got two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt, but they only make eighty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. probably got a problem. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's mm-hmm. absolutely fair. Um, Eleven twenty one, gentlemen. How about some final thoughts on uh, for the talk show and the viewers and listeners? Um, we got to as many questions and comments as possible on today's show. Um, we appreciate you guys watching and offering that perspective. Keith, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming in. This, this has been great. Thank you for, for your guys' sponsorship of the show, because without you guys, we wouldn't be sitting here doing this. So thank you so much for that. Um, and, you know, if you need a trusted advisor, reach out to Scott. There's plenty of us on our, on our trusted partners on Keith Smith, a real, a real Talk with Keith Smith, excuse me to do that but thank you guys for doing it man i appreciate it what you scott morris um so you know in these tumultuous times as far as uh real estate rates inventory goes trust your team put a team in place have a plan and execute accordingly um and 
if anyone's giving you advice and you want to run it by somebody else on the team, get on a group call. Let's, let's talk to one another. Let's not you know, be leaving each other in the dark. Communicate at a high level and you're going to find success. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, I would say this is this is all about building wealth. Real estate is all about building wealth. And in the last, since 1929, the Great Depression, there's been three instances since 1929, almost 100 years ago, where the real estate market wasn't a good purchase. It is the standard of building wealth and continue to do so. I mean, there's nothing to be afraid of. Rates shouldn't deter you. Volume shouldn't deter you. The prices shouldn't deter you. If you can afford and be pre-approved to buy a home, call Scott and go start building wealth. I've got a 21-year running spreadsheet around here. The average appreciation, which includes a time of great unpleasantness, Mm -hmm. is 5.5% year over year. You're not going to find that. Yeah, you know, you just, you know, but it's... Folks are going to stay in their homes longer, man. You know, mm-hmm. it used to be five or six years. Now it's 10. I'll bet you in the next year or two, you're going to see people staying in homes a lot longer, which doesn't help our inventory mm-hmm. uh, issue on that end of it. Mm-mm. So thank you, man. Did yeah, you, you have fun? It, dude. You're great. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for Sincerely having me. Sincerely mean that. Um, give Tim props, guys, when you see him online. Keith Smith always crushes it. Wednesday's our friend Scott Morris of Ross Mortgage. What up? Judah Wickhauer, we should give props. He's behind thanks, the camera. Thanks, Judah. Um, Real talk with Keith Smith, guys. The I Love Sevo show is up in one hour. Stay tuned and take care.